So the third indriya in this particular listing mm. is a sati, generally translated as mindfulness, powerful ally for liberation. And actually, this is a, a factor that's already been present with the ability to bear something in mind. Sati, the word is associated with the smriti, meaning memory or remembering that which enables memory to function. We've got some reference point, that's that. So it's a referencing, you know, how we remember something, we see something, that's her or that's one of those. So it's a kind of a referential experience. It's mm. sati. So if we're acknowledging or bringing or considering the topic of faith, we might say, oh yes, that experience, when there's an opening, a rising, an aspiration, a sense of not just running on automatic, you know, not just weighed down, not just spinning the same old wheel over and over again, but there's the possibility of seeing things differently, coming out of my habit. Uh, and if there's freshness, there's meaning, what is meaningful, the arising of meaning, meaning, <laughs> Meaning something that actually matters, you know, that you're potent, there's a potency, potential. Without that, like, you know, depression, doubt, cynicism, why bother? And uh, indeed, indeed. So, Sadda, faith is a powerful ally we should bear it in mind. We should return to it mm. frequently. We should consider when is it present, when is it absent. Mm. When it's present, we, we can bring it back, remember, you know, kindle it again. You know, one's confidence, the results of it, I feel there's meaning. Matter, potency, potential, can do or can be. Mm. How's that feel? Yeah, okay. Therefore, one's energy is aroused. Mm. One's energy is kindled. Mm. Aspiration energy is kindled. And then the factor of one bears that in mind. So often we linger, in fact, in particularly in traditional monastic practice, a lot of there's an occasion, like generally have these what are called pujas, which are chanting, lighting candles, offering incense recitations, the same thing over and over again in some way, but it's also just reminding 
whatever the day is in, whatever it was, whoever they are, wherever I am, whatever I'm feeling like, you know, da 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 da, da remember, you know, uh, what do these images represent? You know, awakening, virtue, compassion, uh, persistence, resilience, your values, you check in with your values, what matters to you, and the fact that something does matter to you. <laughs> right? There is something to be alive for. It's not just about getting by. Yeah. This is vital, isn't it? And so whatever situation you're in, I'm sure it's, it's pretty much the same in many respects on retreat. You know, it can be pleasant, agreeable, interesting. Also sometimes a lot of difficult experiences arise. Okay, you know, but what was your faith resting upon, not upon, you know, it's resting not upon the the um, building, the people, the food, whatever, <laughs> the person next door, the person flushing the toilet at two in the morning. <laughs> you know, when you're getting bored, <laughs> tired, painful, no, no. That's not something to bear in mind, to make much of. Yeah. The thing to bear in mind is where, you, where your strength can arise from. Yeah. So that then sati is reminding us, yes, 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 but if you want to develop, remember, any situation where you can bring forth the good, the kindly, the resilient, the patient, the, you know, whatever, you can bring forth your values, this is a place, occasion for practice. And then, okay, what does practice mean? I can't practice. <laughs> I can't practice with people. I can't practice with other people. I can't practice at night. I can't practice, well, I can't practice cause after the meal because I'm sleepy. Can't practice in the morning because I'm sleepy. Can't practice in the evening because I'm sleepy. Middle of the day, I'm frankly restless, can't practice then. <laughs> I can't practice these terrible mind states. I can't practice the mind complaining all the time. In fact, I can never practice. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, that's practice. <laughs> that's having the qualities that are able to meet this kind of arising. <laughs> if that's what <laughs> that happens for you. And, uh-huh. That's that, that's that, stay, find what you can rest your sati, what you can bear in mind. That, that supports you, supports your heart in this ongoing experience. So in this way, you know, we're not saying you're going to feel wonderful all the time, or you feel bright all the time, you feel inspired all the time, even like that, just saying, I could return to, you know, I come to meet 
where stress, suffering, the mind wavers to meet that and steady my energy to remain unshaken by that understand it and see what kind of possibilities my my faith my interest starts to sense could be possible here what needs to be relinquished not needs to be strengthened what needs to be just born with and the Buddha said there are different not just one system he said there are different Angle, some things you just have to bear with, called endurance. Let it pass, endure. Some things you just have to abandon, like, you know, give up on, abandon. Some things you just avoid, like, don't go there. (laughs) Uh, don't go to the internet, don't pick up the papers, don't, you know what happens, you go to that at this time, you're not in the right frame of mind for it. It's time to avoid. And these things you've got to assess with mindfulness. He never exactly says what, he says avoid those conditions which give rise to overwhelming distress, craving, you know, that you can't manage. Bear with what you can manage, yeah. Cultivate, bring into being factors of enlightenment mm. of which sati, mindfulness, is the primary initiator, the leader. Bear in mind. Mm. Bear in mind. Bear in mind the fact of wisely attending. Don't, don't buy into any of the reactions that we all have. Bear in mind. Stay steady with it. So it's definitely why this is putting there as number three is because it's certainly enhanced, not that we can't be mindful at all without that, these other qualities, but that for the deep penetration of uh, this uh, mind, we need to have a pretty good energy source to steady us and strengthen us and give us some uh, some uh, backing as we bear in mind the nature of Dhamma. So we can see that uh, you know you can have mindfulness established on body, mindfulness established on feeling, pleasure or pain, or neutrality. Mindfulness established on citta, what's happening in the heart, where the heart feels tight, open, bright, buoyant, flat, distracted, gathered, collected, spacious, bright, dull, whatever. That's the mind. It's citta. Mindfulness of dhammas. There are skillful and unskillful factors arising. 
we bear that in mind, we notice this. Mm. We're attentive to that. But all of these actually fit into the larger category of mindfulness based upon right view, uh, which is the sense that why are we mindful? Because of cause and effect. There are skillful and unskillful uh, phenomena. And so if we engage carelessly, we perpetuate unskillful or unprofitable entangling attitudes, uh, behaviors, habits and patterns. So that, that's the principle of right view. So you're mindful of, let me bear in mind, I continue to engage with this train of thought, there's going to be consequences. for good or for bad. And that is something that we are encouraged to consider. Well, the aim of the Buddha's teaching was to understand the kind of karma or the, the inheritance that's there for us in our hearts when we came into this birth and so on. Um, the inheritance of habits, tendencies, and so forth, dispositions, and how to liberate. And this was his aim. This is the thing he taught, he talked about. Everything else that was associated with Buddha kind of fits in into this. Is it conducive to liberation or not? He said many things that I can know I don't bother to talk about because they're not supportive in this way. The Buddha was mindful of the Dhamma. He bore in mind the things you can talk about, things I could say, things I could, but why the world is this way, where it came from, who created it, how it got created, is there a purpose in life, is there no purpose in life, is it all blind cause and effect, is it blind, is it fatalist, he says, <laughs> you, know, what, what I, you know, what I'm bearing in mind is you're experiencing stress, suffering, incompleteness, here's what I'm offering to liberate from that, right? That's, that's what I can do. And this itself has taken a considerable amount of persistence and intelligence to work out. <laughs> this is what we can do. It's mindful of Dhamma. And Dhamma is a kind of law cosmic law, the order, cause and effect, and liberation from that. Mm. So it takes a, a good amount of uh, just uh, energy to refrain from avenues of mental behavior, thought, inclination, and so forth that go elsewhere. Hmm. Yeah. And this is an aspect what sati does as it's established. It kind of throws a loop around an experience and you just stay in there. Throws a loop around something. So it's just stay in there, don't stay in that. 
put, keep your attention within that reference point. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what it's like for you on retreats, but certainly, yeah, my experience of being on solitary retreat is the mindings. Now's the time to figure out, uh, you know, Euclidean geometry, or <laughs> I really need to know about Coptic Christianity, or, you know, how many sons Edward II had, or something like that, just these spurious thoughts, which can be quite interesting, in fact, important to figure out at this time. <laughs> and then memories. What did she say that, or did I say that? When was it like this, and what was it about like that? Uh, and well, I could look if they just changed that doorway and moved it a meter forward <laughs> to the left, it'd be much more easy to get through. In fact, I could redesign this hall, and the color is a little bit tawdry, you know. <laughs> Or, what's that person in row three doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> the mind wants to <laughs> proliferate. <laughs> it proliferates externally. It proliferates internally. Why am I doing this? Can I do this? How long am I doing it for? How long will it take before I finally stop thinking about how long it's going to take? <laughs> proliferates internally. <laughs> and the Ava mindfulness is just, just no, refrain, restrain, stay on topic. <laughs> Persist, stay on topic, even though the mind seeks the stimulation of having different things to play with. <laughs> or it's aggrieved, so it, it kind of whittles away and rumbles away about its grievances. They should never, I don't see why I should have to put up, this is kind of rumbling away. <laughs> After all I said, they never said, they didn't ask me for my opinion about it, it's unfair, it's not really the right thing to do, something rumble, rumble. Why does she get all that and I never get anything? <laughs> you know, so even that, we say, okay, then what is mindful, it's, ah, Okay, let's put a loop around that. What's, how would you summarize that? Mm. Restless, discontent, sore, mm. Mm. unhappy. Mm. Okay, doesn't matter what you call it, you just nail it. And then we've distilled our web of proliferation into one particular point. And then, okay, now we have something, how is the heart being affected by this shivering? What's needed here? What? So it supports the energy to inquire. This is how these all work together the energy to persist, the energy to inquire. So the energy, then when it takes a specific form, yeah, so I was talking about energies of vitality, but when it takes a specific form, it, it becomes effort, or persistence, or application, application energy. And what's that? And the primary agent of 
application is mental. We consider, we inquire, we check out, and we check out with mindfulness. Bearing this in mind, is it like this? You bear the Dhamma in mind, okay? Does this condition, is it painful or pleasant? Is it skillful or unskillful? Does it take you to a good place or not good place? Does it increase proliferation? Or does it reduce it? Proliferation, we become embedded in an overwhelming scenario of events and data and statistics and people and memories that yeah, and the mind is proliferating. It's unable to handle its stress and it bursts into a cascade of proliferations. All of them carrying the same essential quality of stress, of dis-ease, of irritation, of you know, whatever it is. And then it becomes so scattered, it's like you try to deal with that topic, you deal with that, you've got 15, 20 topics, all with history in them. And you just, you know. So power of mindfulness is to restrain proliferation. It doesn't mean that things are comfortable. It doesn't mean everything's fine. It doesn't mean don't complain. It doesn't mean, you know, you should be happy. What it means is capture that, that tendency to proliferate and say what's the point here yeah bored okay need stimulation <laughs> well that sounds quite understandable okay so you need stimulation let's do some inquiry if the mind needs something to do give it some work to do get it to sweep the body get it to consider the welfare of other beings Get it to reflect upon suitable topics, make it work. You need something to do, give it something to do. You know, it's like training a big dog. You know, you can't just say, sit still dog, it's a dog. <laughs> it wants to run around. Okay, well put it within a large field with a fence around it, won't get hurt. Go run, dog, but you can run around this field. So this is mindfulness, you create the loop. And you can run around, the mind can run around that particular field. So, you know, and then your mindfulness could be based upon what's happening in body. It could be what's happening in mind, feeling. Mm. How does feeling affect other feeling? How does Physical feeling affect mental feeling. What is the nature of feeling? Feeling is pressure, a push. Pleasure, pain, pushes us, doesn't it? Pushes the chitta. Pushes it, pleasant pushes it, pain pushes it. Sometimes we either like the push, pleasant push. Don't like it, unpleasant push. Yeah. But it always pushes the chitta. Chitta is affected by it. 
experience we can contemplate what is affected by the feeling and heart is affected by feeling nobody likes unpleasant feeling what can you do about it well (laughs) the mindful refrain is to experience feeling as feeling rather than as feeling happening to me this may not sound like it's such a great relief but it's more than just a slogan it's to recognize that which resists what's happening how can you say don't feel what you're feeling how stupid is that <laughs> you're feeling something now don't feel it <laughs> what is it that says I don't no 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 well that that is called me that's the experience of a, of a me that which resists don't let it happen it's a vulnerability so we may acknowledge vulnerability sensitivity okay we acknowledge that and then there's a sense in which the feeling is the psychology of frustration and impotence and, and resistance can shift and become more compassionate everybody has feeling every creature feels there's only three kinds of feeling pleasant unpleasant and neutral so for sure statistically that's going to be at least 33 percent of life is downright unpleasant (laughs) in some way or another when you just sit still you'll recognize this because most of the time we're actually carefully shifting around to make sure the unpleasant doesn't happen aren't we we're eating sleeping drinking and so forth imagine if we couldn't do any of these things and this of course is the challenge in meditation which is okay even it's physically not difficult it's psychologically there's mental experiences emotions thoughts perceptions that we don't find so agreeable levels of energy that we don't feel very buoyed up by mm. pleased by uh, lack of stimulation that we don't find so easy yeah. okay so then the sadness or the frustration or the complaining or the why does it have to be this way one it could be another way we just get right down to it this is unpleasant feeling right this is unpleasant feeling so and if we <laughs> if we take this right to the heart where it's happening you give the heart kind of retracting or agitating get right to where the feeling is comes in and instead of that proliferation of it's his fault or their fault or my fault or that or the other and feeling it is going to the heart and heart 
you don't have to retract because that doesn't get rid of the pain anyway. Why don't you try expanding instead? And you can recognize the heart is bigger than feeling. The heart is bigger, can grow bigger than the feeling which pricks it. How does it grow bigger? Well, the most obvious examples we have of this are qualities such as um, patience, such as goodwill, such as compassion, such as equanimity, serenity. And the heart can also tune in to body, body energy, breathing in, breathing out, receive that. It can also dwell upon itself, linger in its own quality. It's called samadhi. And with this, unpleasant feeling doesn't occur. Unpleasant feeling, as it hits the heart, is always associated with a kind of retraction you know, like a wincing or a tightening or an agitation. Heart, it feels attacked under the power of, oppressed by, you know, stabbed by. It's a victim of feeling. Now what we're encouraging or possible is to expand the heart. The heart can open and expand where it's no longer the victim. It's the doctor. Feelings like this. Now, this is very helpful, particularly you know, with reference to mental feeling that arises dependent upon sight, sound, thought, taste, odour, so on, which are probably the primary source of disagreeable feeling is the mind itself. Feeling unhappy about oneself, feeling regret, feeling inadequate, feeling, you know, these kind of emotional states disagreeable not making progress, not lifted up. This is in the mind. The the contraction of the heart itself is noticed and then the the faith dips, (laughs) the energy dips and the nature of the oppression increases. And we can see this can occur in retreats. You know, things are difficult or feels I can't make it, I'm inadequate, something wrong with me, or situation, or whatever, and the faith element dims. Because the faith element dims, the energy loses its buoyancy, and the oppressiveness overwhelms. We lose heart. This happens. 
And if we're losing heart, it's because of my bad karma, because da 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 the situation around me, because of this, that and the other. It goes internally and externally, the proliferation. I find a lot of source of unpleasant feeling is just things not being the way that I would like them to be. <laughs> so, since I've been a monk now 40, 45, 46 years of, of things not being the way I'd like them to be. <laughs> <laughs> in Thailand it was much too hot Thailand much too hot mosquitoes too hot you can't practice doing this meditation system I can't do this either and then can't understand what's going on and then with kinds of people but I don't really where's he at where's she at I don't get on with him why do we have to do this thing now what's the don't like that either why do you have to get up at this time? Why did somebody ring the bell at that time? Why can't we eat until half past ten? Why can't I just eat when I'm hungry? If I don't eat at half past ten, I can't eat till the next day. So I've got to eat now. Why do I have to do that? It's silly. Why can't I have a cup of tea? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I fancy going for a walk. Why can't I go for a walk? Why do I have to go arms round instead? I don't want to go arms round. I'd have to go to some ceremony. I'm not interested in ceremonies. I didn't come here for this. You know, going on and on and on. I don't see the point of this rule. Why can't I just wear a pair of tan corduroys instead of this silly skirt thing? Why can't things be my way? <laughs> Painful feeling. Uh huh listening to that <laughs> and listening opening not rejecting it not making a self out of it <laughs> not blaming other people for it just opportunity patience relinquishment don't let it get in the way this is practice I remember when I was uh, first went into a monastery, which was actually amazingly gracious thing. All you had to do was rock up at the gate, and they said, "Okay, yeah, right. You want to come and meditate? Fine. Very good. Okay. There's a kuti, you know, a little hut. You go and live in there. Here's the do's and don'ts. Here's your eight precepts. That's the deal. We bring you food every day." You can meditate, someone will come and give you some instructions. You think, whoa, okay, great, you know, free, no charge, nobody on my case, you know, fine, for a while. And of course, I get bored, restless, 
And they, sometimes they have these announcements, Dhamma talks coming over the loudspeakers. They, they like to present the Dhamma talks over loudspeakers, so you, it's all entire, I can't understand it. What's this racket going on? <laughs> you know, well, what should I have to do with that? And then, you know, this kind of thing going on. And uh, sound of the bullfrogs every evening, and the sound of the village, people playing music in the village. So you just can't meditate because of all this stuff going on. And they decided that one time they would have a big uh, ceremony because they are opening uh, an ordination hall. And so they had a, uh, I think it was a ni- nine-day ceremony. That ties love fun. So for this ceremony they had four movie theatres playing. <laughs> they had various fireworks and and constant announcements coming over the, the tannoy, the PA, so on, so on, so on, it's wonderful, so on, so on, all in Thai. And then we had to go to lots of ordinations. So they had a non-stop ordination, which was going on for nine days. I think it was nine days, where you have to go to this, sit in this ceremony where somebody goes through their ordination procedure, and then, okay, you go back again. And then the next one comes along, they come out again. So this was going on for for about nine days, and it's constant noise, constant sound. And I sit in this cootie, just this constant sound, I can't understand, don't see the point, I don't want, don't like, is useless, isn't what I came for. And the Buddha didn't teach this, this is inappropriate. And the sound just kept going, he didn't care. The sound did not care. <laughs> And after I recognise the sound doesn't care, it's not going to change. And eventually someone just gave up. And the sound stopped being unpleasant. It was just a phenomenon like air. Just part of the phenomenal world, like the air or the light or the day or the night, just the phenomenon. It was just emptied of didn't feel anything really. It's just like, you know, the fact that you have a body. Just that. And it was the resistance that was making it unpleasant. Around that trigger point of unpleasant feeling, the whole world of what's fair, right, appropriate, necessary, useful, important, exploded, all carrying the quality of ill will. <laughs> and then ill will infecting the heart, ill will corroding the heart. So when you come back to the catch, the proliferation, down to unpleasant feeling. Now the question is that you ask yourself, does unpleasant feeling have to give rise to ill will? Since the feeling's going to happen, right? <laughs> not all of it's going to be pleasant. It may not be right or fair, or, but it's going to happen. Does it have to give rise to ill will? Do you have to get angry, upset, miserable, oppressed by it? That's the, that's the question. Yeah. And it's called input. And then 
called the vipaka, or the inheritance, which means, personally, I don't find this particularly agreeable. Other people are having a ball, you know? They were enjoying the whole show. To them, it was not unpleasant, it was just groovy. They were really enjoying it. But my position, that sound, unpleasant feeling. So this is called the inheritance, you know, where I'm coming from. I want silence. That's my inheritance. I want it quiet. I want it my way. I don't want it that way. Okay? That's fair enough. Now, when, so when sound hits that, do you have to then create ill will? Now, you might think, well, of course, it's natural to feel annoyed. It may be natural, but it's not necessary. And that's what mindfulness can do. You put a loop around it and say, this is unpleasant feeling. That's it. That unpleasant feeling by itself does not have ill will in it. A sound does not carry ill will. It's a sound, right? <laughs> when it touches your heart, it doesn't have hostility. It's just the sound. Okay? Hostility, that's your contribution. Do you need to do that? How many times do you want to do that? If you keep doing that, yeah, you'll create a habit and your heart will incline towards and deepen and strengthen its proclivity towards ill will. And how good does that feel? Sour, and then around that ill will, the mind will proliferate. I'm a, I'm a grumpy person, I'm an irritable person, I'm an angry person, I'm a cantankerous person, I'm always this. And then you'll, you'll proliferate more and more ill will, it will make a self out of it. And it also say, There's these nasty, stupid people who won't cooperate properly, it will make plenty of selves out of it. That's, what, that's the way it will roll, for sure. It won't stop <laughs> with just a bit of ill will. Once that ball gets rolling, it rolls out. So the, <laughs> the aim of study is catch it <laughs> before it does that. Otherwise, you know, you're going to deepen the heart's immersion in unwholesome, unprofitable, you know, degrading experience. This is why we need that ally, you know, because that experience of cause, unpleasant sound, disrespectful gesture, somebody turning up late, whatever it is, you know, that, that's cause, effect, right? First effect, feeling, second effect, I act, volition. Now, Does every cause have to give rise to an effect? And what the Buddha is saying is, no. You have a choice. There's a possibility. If you hold with sati, mindfulness, bearing in mind cause and effect, 
bearing in mind the oppression of cause and effect, bearing in mind the liberation of cause and effect, then you, you get realistic. To be in a world where everybody's going to do exactly what I want them to do, exactly the right time, it's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> Being in a world where everybody understands me completely and never disappoints me, it's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> right? Get used to it. I can get to that point and refuse to cooperate with ill will. And then, of course, that's the initial thing. Do you recognize that once the mind doesn't operate in terms of ill will, <laughs> it doesn't just kind of sit there, it begins to expand into release. Your will is volition. Your will has got push to it, right? It's called a sankara. It's volitional. It pushes. It directs. Now, what happens when we cut the engines of volition? The mind doesn't die. The mind goes ah. Oh, it opens. I don't feel oppressed anymore. The sound doesn't bother me. I don't really have an opinion about how people should be. The cause gets removed. So by not following the effect, we actually begin to undermine the cause. Our fixed viewpoint, our self-position in many respects. Follow? Therefore one is free. I don't really mind. I don't have a view. What I have a view of is I don't want to suffer and I want to be aware of where the triggering points are in that I have not resolved yet. And be very careful, watchful of those. And linger, check it out. Check it out. Your opinion about her or him or what they think of you, check it out. <laughs> you know, this is potent. And even if she does think I'm an idiot, and maybe she's right. <laughs> Do I have to have ill will about it? You know, if she's right, okay, fair enough. Give me some support. If she's not right, okay, she's having a bad day. She's got some misjudgment. Do I have to get, you know, defensive or snappy about it? Yeah. Yeah. And we can just recognize, you know, how much, you know, I, like, I never want to be blamed for anything. Don't like it. Don't like being blamed. So I can hope I don't do something that people blame me for. So 
I don't know what they're going to blame me for, because you never know. It's probably blame for something I haven't noticed. They're going to blame me for something I haven't really noticed. What haven't I noticed? I don't know, because I haven't noticed it. <laughs> so I better check out everything, because they're going to get me for something. <laughs> or just say, okay, just blame me now, get it over with. <laughs> Do we recognize, well, you know, getting things wrong <laughs> is pretty normal, <laughs> you know, in some respects. And, okay, I don't like the feeling. I don't have to create a whole load of recrimination and guilt and you stupid idiot and she's such a tyrant and nagging me. all I don't have to do that. I can skim that off and say, look, just get to the point. Give me some advice on how to do it better, will you? And I'll see what I can do. Yeah. That's mindfulness. <laughs> Does that for you. Get to the point. Very realistic. Mindfulness is internally, externally, and both. So we can see this is either one is mindful of phenomena that arise dependent upon external causes, like, you know, the body feels like this because it's raining or it's cold, therefore it shivers. The body feels like this because there's, there's um, disease. It feels like this, it's external cause. Or the body feels like this internally. The health is bad, the energy is low, internally, externally. Any of either of those we can find ourselves, oh, I don't feel so good, making a self out of it, externally. Something wrong with the situation out there. A mindful one knows, disagreeable feeling, agreeable feeling, body affected, that's it. No proliferation. Deal with it. How do you deal with it? Bodies like this. May it be well. Bodies like this. Yeah. Mm. Breathing internally, externally. We notice the breathing can be affected by, obviously by smoky atmosphere, by exercise, by running around, your breath rate changes. Inter externally, internally, affected by internal restrictions in the body, internally, breathing's like this. Mm. And none of it is self. We can't make it one way or another. We can't claim it, we can't change it. We can, we can notice there are causes and effects that give rise to this. What we have some say over is whether the effects that we bring around are in line with truth, with skill, with patience, with energy, with faith, with compassion, with clarity, with discernment. This we have, if we cultivate that, every situation is giving rise to some kind of fruit. So we turn the arrows of pain into the fruit. 
of release into the fruits of virtue, resilience and so forth. We convert it. This is a skillful person who cultivates like that. Yeah. Otherwise, it goes exactly the opposite way. All we can notice are the things that bother us. Bearing the wrong things in mind. Sati is based upon right view. You bear in mind the principles of cause and effect. You don't bear in mind phenomena that whose no purpose or that give rise to unskillful effects. There's a certain discernment there. And so the cultivation of sati leads on to two particular qualities. One is well, specifically the quality of collectedness because sati is, if we want to have concentration, the concentrating quality is sati. It says there, there, keeps you on the point, keeps you on the point. That's the concentrating bit. Yeah. And as that function begins to sever, the unskillful, compulsive reactions of the heart, the heart begins to steady in itself. And this steadying in itself is called samadhi. It's not hooked up to a sight or a sound or a sensation. It's settled in itself. It's samadhi. And the other aspect which goes along with it is the discernment, wisdom we know this is where suffering arises, this is what can be done, this is what has to be borne with, this is what has to be understood, this has to be restrained, this has to be brought up. And so in this way, sati is the leader of two skillful fruitions, the fruition of collectedness and the fruition of discernment. Therefore, it's really a very powerful ally, as you'll all recognize. So, as they say, be mindful. <laughs> yeah. you know, where do you start? Well, you really start, we'll just start really like, here's the body. Yeah. And stabilizing it, so you have a good stabilizing energy for it. Steadying. So you've got a background quality that you can refer to. You know, it could be just the sense of the spine and the steadying. You've got something to refer to that you notice, okay, let's get back to this. That causes it to collapse. This is where the mind runs away from. Get back to that post, that stake, which we tether the mind and the sense faculties to. Get back to that. Stay with that. Don't get thrown out into that. And then this is really gives your sati a, a strong foundation, establishment. Yeah. So that we've got the power to resist and to understand and to sever the fetters that lead us to suffering and stress. Body, breathing. Breathe up and down that spinal axis. Let your breath flow rise and fall down that and it will radiate through the entire body, giving you both a sense of ease, but also unraveling 
the stresses and the dullness and the restlessness in the nervous system. And this will mean you're, you've got less to deal with. Um, that's great because we all got plenty enough already. <laughs> okay, so let's get down to some direct practice. Thank you for your attention.